a week off, Rob. When uh, when the match doesn't get completed, we uh, we t- take that as a sign to uh, kick up our feet for a week and uh, you know save the pod for a time where we have a full match to talk about. Yeah, I did enough for that match, so uh, I didn't have to. <laughs> I didn't have to do another podcast. We can Fair talk enough. about my my ill-fated trip to Omaha. Yes, Rob Chapel, of course, from Madison Three Six Five, joining me as always to break down. A match and a half is what I'm going to call it, Rob. I guess that's basically what it was. A match and a half. Pretty much. Uh, we, yeah. got, we got the full match, the win over Tormenta uh, over the weekend to talk about. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, the match at Union Omaha was called uh, about halfway through due to uh, some crazy storms happening down there. Some like some crazy very scary storms. video yeah. of flash flooding and a lot of a lot of stuff in terms of the, the like the worst of it was that by you guys at the stadium or were you able to kind no. of avoid that part of it no the stadium is, is several miles from the river that's the one one thing you realize how nice madison has it to have a stadium right downtown uh yeah. madison the the union omaha stadium is beautiful it's a wonderful park but it's way out uh, kind of in the suburbs uh which a lot of stadiums are uh, but it's also, which that also means it's quite a ways from the Missouri River, which is where the flooding was, uh, and it was it was kind of wild down around the 10th and 11th Street areas in Omaha. The water got pretty deep, pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. Some of those videos are pretty crazy. Um, ended yeah. up being a you know a, a positive for for everybody at the match, at least able to get out and get home safely. Hopefully. Um, yeah, yeah, as, pretty much. As we said, the match was called. I mean, they, they kept us yeah. hanging until about 12.31 a.m. Did you stick around, Stadium Rob, or did you get no. out of there? No, we got out of there. And I, I will say, if, if we want to back up a minute, I, I, we went to the stadium. We got there plenty early. Uh, and on our way in, uh, some Omaha fans sort of flagged us down because we had our, you know, Fort Madison stuff on. And they said, hey, you want a beer? Come on over. And we were like, no, it's okay. Thank you. We're going to head in. And then he goes, well, we got spotted cow. So, of course, then we had to stop. So we stopped and hung out with some Union Omaha supporters, had a spotted cow with them, went in and got some food. And um, the owner of Union Omaha stopped by to say hi, which was kind of cool. Uh, He just said, hey, did you guys come down from Madison? I'm the owner of the club. Thanks for coming down. Everybody was super friendly. Ran into a few other um, Ford Madison fans, some from Madison, a couple from uh, who live in Denver. And so Omaha was kind of the closest one they could get to. Uh, They're hoping to get to a Northern Colorado hailstorm match next season as the Northern Colorado hailstorm yeah. are going to join the join USL league one it's, uh hailstorm is then what stopped the match after seven minutes. Yeah, kind of ironic. <laughs> yeah. We didn't, uh, we, we thought about staying around for a minute and, you know, for a little while. And, and I said, you know, I, I said to my wife, I could, we could probably go to the press box. I've got a press pass. Yeah. We could probably hang out there. And she's like, no, they're not going to be in the press box. And we looked at the uh, radar on our phones and it was clear that this was going to be a while. So we decided to head out and we, we just got into our car as the torrential downpour started. It was very harrowing drive back to the hotel. Yep. Parked the car across the street from the hotel, ran across the street, literally just across the street. And we got into the hotel and it was like we had jumped in a lake. It was that like the rain was just that wild. Uh, But it, but, and then, so then, you know, midnight rolls around. They say they're going to try to resume at 1220 AM. So, uh got the ipad out to try to watch it and then they then they finally pulled the plug on it which frankly was just as well because madison yeah. was not playing particularly well and they were down one nil already uh aaron malloy did hit a free kick off of the post but that was the only threat madison really posed 
and they just i don't know what it was like they like even my wife was like they look like they're playing the way that they're supposed to play and this is how this is the only way they know how like it was yeah. super predictable uh nothing exciting nothing dynamic nothing direct um and omaha of course is really good omaha can make any side look bad right yep. and they're playing it's I mean, really grinded out kind of yes exactly right so uh but the the upshot of it all is that i got a nice weekend in omaha it was it was a very nice city and um uh, Madison uh, doesn't have to worry about it because they're just going to reschedule the match. And as far as I know, I don't think they rescheduled it yet. I haven't heard. And, and they're going to restart it. They're not going to pick up yeah. where they left off, are oh, yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Nope. It's wiped clean, and they're just going to start a new match. Uh, it's an abandoned match, so they're going to just restart it, um, which is, you know, like I said, just as well for Madison. Yes. Yeah. It's actually uh, uh, kind of a break for the Mingos there. Um, yep. I was fully ready to strap in for the re- remainder of the match had it gone on as scheduled. I was, <laughs> so I, I had watched balloons game earlier, did my, li- did my post game live stream. Yep. And then it was Saturday night. I was just kind of kicking back, uh, you know, having a scotch. And I saw the, I got tweet notification, like, uh, you know, match is set to restart at 1225. I was like, all right, you know what? A little USL <laughs> league one after dark, little Mingo's after dark. I'm ready for it. Let's do it. I love it. You know, I grabbed a blanket, was curling up, I was ready, and then all of a sudden they said, "No, nah, actually, we're not going to do this," which is probably the right call all the way around. But I was, I was fully ready yes. to go. I was fully ready to stay up till about one thirty in the morning watching some forward Madison. But yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine after that rain that that field would have been hospitable, even even oh, if it's turf or whatever it is. Some of those passes it must have been. Oh. Oh they wouldn't gosh. have been able to, yeah, they wouldn't have been able to, uh, to get it to one another. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, and they have not set a date yet. Right. Rob for the, right. as far as I know, they have not. Okay. Sounds good. So we will keep close tabs on that. The match that did take place and did, uh, get all the way through was a big one for Ford Madison, a two, one win huge. over Tormenta. Yeah. Huge three points, much needed three points for the Mingos. Um, and it all started at the beginning, big shakeup in their formation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it was interesting because the, the, the club on Twitter, you know, they usually say Madison, mm-hmm. this is your team. And they post the exact, uh, you know, the, the formation of the, 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 the graphical the representation of where everybody's playing. Right. Of yep, the exactly. four two that yep. they always do. Yep. This time it was just the list. So I don't know if there was just like a, you know, an oversight or if they did that on purpose to not no, give well, the actually, away too much. When I looked at it, uh, my son, who's 11, looked at it and said, maybe the new guy doesn't know how to do the graphic. But but that wasn't it. I, I emailed Evan because I asked, because I saw Jiro was not in the 11, mm-hmm. uh, nor was Pato Diaz. The two wing backs were not in the 11. So I emailed him and I said, Did, you know, I just asked, is anybody hurt? And, and uh, what's the formation? And Evan said, I don't actually know the formation. That's why I didn't do the graphic. So it sounds like <laughs> Carl was kind of keeping the cards close to the vest. Yeah. Even with the staff. Um, and well, and when, yeah. with a shakeup like there, it's like that, it's hard to even guess. Like, you know, if, you know, a guy like Evan, yeah. if it's a, the normal 11, he doesn't necessarily need to get the formation to know where the guys are going to go, probably. Exactly. Uh, exactly. But with a shakeup like that, if you don't actually get what the formation is, then it's, it's, it's tough to pick and yeah. choose who you think is going to go where. 
and, and you, you don't see Jiro or Pato, but you do see Gustavo Fernandez and Turbo, obviously. And then you see Josiah Trimingham and Eric Leonard. And so Josiah hasn't played yet this year. So this is his first game. And, and he, you he know that he played in the Wisconsin, the game against yes. UW, Wisconsin. Yep. Wisconsin, but he right? played as, but he played striker in that game. Yep. He played as kind of a false nine in that match and, uh, or a tree nine with Jake in the falls, whatever. There, there were two, two up top anyway, in that match. So you, you see this lineup without the normal wing backs and with Josiah in there. And you think I, and I even tweeted this, I think it's going to be a three, five, two. And I was right. It was. And turns out Jiro, this is the bad news. Jiro is actually injured. He has a sprained oh. MCL, probably out yeah, for a month. Uh, but if you wanted to stay in the 4-4-2, you can move Pato to the left and put Ronaldo Lamelli in on the right. And he's shown that he can play there. Um, but both Pato and Ronaldo were on the bench available. So, you know, obviously this is a shakeup. This is a new idea. This is we need to inject some energy. We need to try something different. Um, after the match, Carl said he just basically wanted to get another body up front. And Josiah yeah. is a – he calls him a big distraction. A big target. <laughs> big, big target. Uh, yeah. But if you do that three-person back, three back line, the wing the wings – you have to have all three of them be, you know, true defenders, right, more than a Giro or a Pato who are, pushed, who are really attackers attacking from the back. Yeah. So you put Gustavo on the right, Eric Leonard on the left – Tobin in his you know spot in the middle, and uh, it, it did make sense, and it worked. Mm-hmm. It looks great. It was exciting, uh, and uh, you know, props to Carl for the, for giving it a try, and props for to the guys for being game to do it. I have a question for you, Rob. I'm going to pose a yeah. kind of hypothetical. We're going to put the tinfoil hat on here for a second. <laughs> um, so it was a long, long time before we actually saw Josiah Trimingham in the lineup. Yeah. Even after he was technically eligible to play. Do yeah. you think they had a plan all along to put him up top and they were sort of training him to play the position before they put him in the lineup? Um y- yes, quite possibly. I mean, he yeah. he could have he, he could have played center back while still training to be a striker. So it's not yeah. that they were keeping him out for that purpose necessarily. Uh Carl did mention to me a month ago that he was training as striker that he was trying him out in practice in that role. So I think yeah. that's been Carl's plan all along. Uh, because you see, you know, you see some big guys in this league having success up there. I think Robbie Cristo in, in North Carolina is a similar yep. style of guy, right? Big, yep. big, strong linebacker type <laughs> who has success as a striker. And, and um, like you said, he makes it a really big target. Um, and as it turns out, Josiah played striker in high school. So it's not like completely foreign to him. Yeah. Um, and you could see that in some of the runs he was making. You, you know, we'll talk more about those in a minute. But um, I think you are your instinct is correct that as soon as Josiah came in, I think Carl, being Carl, it crossed his mind to be like, I, I don't, I'm not sure this guy's a center back. I think, yeah. I think this guy needs to be up front with his back to the goal and moving around and, and causing havoc up there. Now, does he play on the back line for the national team for Trinidad? Yeah. Yes, he does. Okay, he does. Okay. Yep. All right. So, so let's get into the match here. Um, yeah. Obviously, the extra body up top, um, especially as, as you mentioned, big target like Josiah, mm-hmm. um, really did translate into chances. I mean, that's kind of what you put a big body up there for. Hope he can create some space. And, you know, mm-hmm. we'll get to this in the goal here in a minute. But, I mean, he 
seems like the training's working out because he made some uh <laughs> he made some excellent runs and you know it's not just one of those things where they were just sending crosses and hoping he'd get on the end of one of them um he did look more than capable of actually playing the position um, it took him it took him a little bit to get into it but he definitely yeah. did yeah definitely um 70 percent possession for ford madison over the first half hour that's pretty uh pretty good yeah that was um, remarkable we don't normally see from the mingos either right um no. so that was awesome uh tormenta did sort of uh turn that tide and, and even things up possession wise as the match rolled on uh, but, but it's the new formation mm-hmm. for madison three five two obviously yeah. going in if we didn't even know what the formation was going to be, how is how is Tormenta going to know what the formation is going to be, right? So <laughs> right. So obviously it took them a little while to adapt to it, and they did. Like I say, they did. I mean, Madison ended up with the advantage in possession ultimately, but not quite that lopsided. But Tormenta did have a hard time early on uh, adapting, and 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 that translated into a lot of good chances very early in the match. Yeah, and uh, Trimingham did look a little bit rusty, as we mentioned, first couple <laughs> touches. Is yep. not great. A uh, little, little stiff as you would expect. Uh, you know, not used to having to. Uh, you know, I, I equate it to to hockey because we grew up with a minor league hockey team in my hometown. Yeah, and they like moved up the ranks over the years. But like when they were like the single A team for hockey, like uh-huh. those guys could not receive a pass to save their lives. And, like that's <laughs> how, like it would literally like they would get a pass and it would just bounce off the stick like it was a tennis racket. <laughs> Like it's just, it was bad. So that's kind of what I, I immediately thought of when I saw like, get like the frying pan attached to his, uh, attached to his ankle there. Well, and it's not just that he hasn't played striker before. He hasn't played a competitive match in almost a year. Yeah. You know, uh, other Mm -hmm. than the UW friendly. So of course you give him a little grace to, to kind of get into the game and his first touches were not great, but by the, by the time he, you know, by the time it was like 16, 17 minutes in, um, I tweeted, he's going to get a goal because yeah. he was looking much that. better. He was looking confident. Um, you know, he had one where Pablo Hara came off his line and, and, and Josiah basically set one of the best goalies in this league on his, on his backside, just with a quick little juke to his left. So uh, he was looking much better, much more confident. Uh, and, and just, you know, Tormenta wasn't quite sure what to do with him. Mm-hmm. You know, and the 23rd minute, Keegan on the left side, excellent run from Trimmingham. When I talk about the work he must have yeah. put in to sort of kind of get gain those instincts, right? Some of that stuff you you can't necessarily teach, but if you work at it enough and put enough, put your ten thousand hours in, so to speak, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, you'll 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 start to kind of gain those those little mm-hmm. those little things, those little uh, things that you notice and know to where position yeah. yourself. Great yeah, near that, post that- run. Yep, yeah, the diagonal ahead, run, where the, and the the guy could the the defender who was trying to mark him just couldn't quite keep up, and all he needed was half a step with that you know perfectly yeah. weighted pass in from Keegan, and he was able to tap. He was basically tap in with his left foot, but it was tapped mm-hmm. in with a very limited amount of space. So it was a great run yeah. to give himself the space as well as a great finish. And uh, you know, talking to him after the game, he kind of said, "Well, it's kind of muscle memory, just from having played striker yeah. in you know high school, which for him it wasn't that long ago, frankly." Uh, but also, uh, you know, when you, the way he put it is when you're a professional, you have to know all the positions. Like, you just have to know how everybody works on the field together. So you, you, it's not yeah. completely foreign to a defender how a striker should work. Right. So, yeah. you know, uh, very obviously very intelligent player to be able to adapt that way and, and to make that run 
and to make that finish and then hit a, go over and just headbutt the corner flag to the ground, yep. which is the fantastic celebration. <laughs> so I was watching the game at about 6.15 a.m. on Sunday because uh-huh. uh, I, was, I was out of town on Saturday. And I literally said out loud, I didn't say it loud, but it was, I was you know, you're, you're quiet at 6.15 a.m. on Saturday when the rest of your family's sleeping. But I said out loud, yeah. I was like, that's a great run. And then just, just in general, I didn't necessarily see in the frame of play that it was Trimingham who made the run. And then yes. when the, when I, when I saw it was Josiah, I was like, Holy crap. What a great <laughs> run. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was excellent. Yes. Yeah. And so it's so was, cool. It's such a cool story. We love stories, you know, it's such a cool story. It's such a hard time getting here. Such a hard time getting healthy, getting fit uh, and to, to, try a new position for the first time and, and, and finish like that, uh, put the team ahead. Uh, just so cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. And then the rest of the first half, Madison sort of rolled off that momentum, staying on the front foot. Um, really did, yeah. So going into halftime, you're feeling good, but then right at the beginning of the second half, Connor Tobin sticks his foot out and doesn't get away with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, the victim there. Um, and initially in, in the run of play, I, and, and again, this was an angle that was very far away from the hard camera yeah. on the opposite yeah. side of the field. So it's tough to see, but I didn't necessarily see anything malicious at the time, but then on the replay, you're like, okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> and it should be said, Chizagi, in the box, you're going to get called. Chiz- uh, not Chizagi, um, uh, Liotti threw Connor to the ground outside the box. I mean, yes, he did. Ignore that. So but I don't it's know if always, was... it's always the retaliator, Rob. Of it course. It's always the retaliator who gets who gets whistled or flagged yep. or, or whatever. It doesn't matter the sport. If you retaliate, yep. you're gonna be the one that gets blown up. A hundred percent. And I'm not sure Connor was even trying to retaliate. He was just <clears throat> kind of he was on his knees and trying to get up and suck his foot out, and the guy tripped over his foot, and you know, ultimately probably the right call, but just really unfortunate, kind of unlucky. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you put yeah. Marco Micheletto on the spot, he's not going to miss. Um, what a great know. penalty! That's one of the oh, best. Man. I mean, just like doesn't matter. He could he could have done that in the Premier League and it would have been a goal. Like, that's just yeah. beautiful. Well, I think a lot of uh, a lot of times you see at the in international tournaments and high level, you, you see guys that kind of overthink penalties sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Micheletto just stepped up and just hammered it to the left side. And Brino guessed the right way. He jumped, he yeah, drove he the right way. He danger got a finger to it, but there's no way he was going to stop that. So, you know, hats off to Micheletto. And then on we go. And that took the wind out of the sails a bit for about, I don't want to say yeah. like 15 minutes or so. Um, you know, kind of yeah. uh, just, just everybody looked kind of deflated and, and, and uh, Tormenta was really, on the front foot for a little while after that. I don't know that they got any real good chances, but they had most of the possession then for the next 10 or 15 minutes. And, um, you know, it's a little concerning. You're hoping that can these guys bounce back and, you know, turns out that they did. Yeah. And then about, about the hour mark, uh, mm-hmm. as, as you cross into 60 minutes or so starting to get a little bit of that mojo back, that, you know, Madison yeah. starting to push forward. Um, meaningful possession, not just passing the ball back and forth, but actually yeah. trying to do something with it as soon as they get their foot on it, uh, which is obviously uh, that Carl Craig style. And then uh, 62nd minute, mm-hmm. uh, Trimmingham involved again, this time holding up the possessions. So he's kind of showing all of his striker chops a little bit uh, on, yeah. on display, making the runs, kind of holding uh-huh. up. 
Yep. I mean, and the holding up part is something you expect a guy with, with Josiah's size to be able to do and provide well, from that number Justin, nine. Yeah, Justin Suko kind of had a touch that wasn't the best, and it was there were probably five guys right around Josiah's, right around Josiah, and Josiah was able to just kind of to get to Muscle the to get to the ball first, and then you know tap it back to Carlos Gomez, uh, yep. and 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 therefore maintain the possession, which then a couple of passes mm-hmm. later led to another goal, which was the winner. Yep, Justin Suko on the tail end. Um, yeah. Really nice cross, too, from Fernandez. Yeah. Um, yeah. Swings it in. One of those long swinging crosses that, I mean, I, I love watching those goals. It reminds me of the Wayne Rooney DC United goal, which I think to this day <laughs> might be one of, might be the best, um, like, domestic American soccer goal uh, uh, in yeah. history. Considering what was uh, at stake. When you're not talking about World Cup or international tournaments, we're talking about just like MLS or any domestic U.S. Yeah. league. That might be the best. But anyways, just like those long swinging crosses, I always think about. I always think of that. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyways, and- great cross from Hernandez. Fernandez. Suko gets on the end of it. Two one mm-hmm. Madison. Um, you're feeling good. Um, no parking the bus from the Mingos either. Nope. Um, late subs and even even those weren't necessarily defensive minded, um, which. I like, I say this nine times out of 10. I, I say this all the time. I'm pretty sure I've said this on at least probably all, but one of our episodes to me, a team like Madison, your best defense is continuing to push up the field um, and maintain possession on your heels. And you just take yep. shots and take shots and take shots. That's not, and try to park the bus. That to me is not the mo- most effective way to, to hold a lead. And that's kind of yeah. counter to traditional thinking. Like you get a lead, mm-hmm. you park the bus. But with a, a team a, like Madison, I think you just keep pushing and keep pressing. A traditional thought would have been to sub, uh, to bring in like Pato or uh, or Ronaldo and, and 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 kind of convert back to a four man back line and and drop everybody back and, and like I say park the bus. But that's not at all what he did. He brings in Tyler Allen in the seventy fifth minute, who plays really really well, brings a lot of spark in that uh, for those last fifteen minutes, and Carl. Gave him a little shout out after the match for the way he played and to try mm-hmm. to see it out. Uh, and they were pushing. I mean, they thought you could tell the guys on the field thought we have another goal in us. Yeah. And they wanted it, you know? And so it wasn't mm-hmm. even, they didn't even start going to the corner until like the 89th minute to yep. you know, run out the clock. So they were, they were trying to score one more time, uh, which is, I, I don't know. I, it, maybe that's risky when you're up by one, mm-hmm. but uh, I love to see it. I don't know. And scary moment though, and this ah. is like a, a just nightmare boogeyman type yes. situation for four Madison fans. You know, losing losing in the last kick of the match is not is unfortunately not something that we are uh, we are uh, not used to. Uh, but uh, very last gasp for Tormenta, mm-hmm. Chris actually finds the feet. I don't know who it was. Uh, but just a tremendous player finds themselves point blank with Brino on the end yeah. of a cross. Luckily, they weren't able to get everything on it. Goes right at Brino. He holds on. Whistle blows. You win two one. But yep. oh man, that's a that was a that was a, a hold your breath power. moment. Hold your breath yep. for sure. Even well, even the even the the ESPN Plus commentator said Madison fans exhale. Yes, <laughs> it was exactly. it was that kind of moment. For sure. It was. It was. But that's uh that's how we end. Three points for the Mingos, two one final. Um, and just 
you know, the way that the table is right now, I mean, you were tweeting this almost live during the match, but you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, if, uh, if you know, result, you know, based off this result, they could either be eighth or third. <laughs> it's just, it's <laughs> yep. crazy how, uh, how bunched up that top of the table is, you know, and we're not yeah. even talking about the, the mixed up weird full standings. We're, we're talking about points per game and it's jumbled up right now. It is, yeah. That's very tight. I mean, uh, the 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 table table that with with which has all the, you know, disparity in number of matches played. Still, uh, right now we're in eighth. If Madison wins on Wednesday night, they'll be third. Like that's how tight it is yeah. in the actual table. But in points per game, with this result and with Greenville getting beat, um, we are now tied with North Texas for third in points mm-hmm. per game. So if, if, you know, if you look at that sort of a, that as a projection, we're on pace. Madison's on pace to finish the season with 41 points, which would put them in third, which would, you know, that's the uh, top seed of the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I like where that is. You know, we're still just halfway through the season, still a bit early to be making those predictions. But I don't know. I, after that match and, and, and knowing that it's been frustrating the last three matches to get those draws, but draws are better than losses, you know. You got True. four win, four uh, unbeaten now, uh, and and sitting okay in terms of uh, earning enough points per match to be in the mix. Yeah, and uh, speaking of North Texas, talk about a team that's on the front foot right now. We'll get to that when oh. it's around the league. But we were we were saying just a, a month or so ago, like, where's this North Texas team that you know uh, had had has done so well in, in League One has asserted themselves? Yeah, and here they <laughs> right? are. Yeah, they are. close to the top of the table they, they they've uh they've snuck up there and they're on a, a really good run and again we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get around the league um yeah. but you have in the notes here rob do you see this like really be a turning point for ford madison this season what makes you, what makes you say that i mean it it feels like carl craig anytime you as a as a coach or as a manager anytime you try to shake things up whether that's benching your quarterback or you know shaking up your formation or whatever it is um, it can, it's a signal that something needs to change. And I think sometimes that can light a spark under some players, right? Mm-hmm. This is sort of sports psychology. So obviously Carl felt, I mean, he kind of talked like the injury to zero was part of it. Uh, but I think, I think it was more than that. I think it was, it was that, uh, you know, something needs to change. We're lethargic. We're boring. We're not pushing the way we need to push. And so we, so we got to switch something up. And I think it, I mean, obviously it worked, um, but the guys are still talking with a lot of belief. Uh, and I think um, a lot of team, a lot of clubs are entering a really difficult stretch. So I think um, if nothing else, trying that new formation gives you another option. So you can kind of base, depending on who your, who your opponent is, you can switch up the formation. When you get zero back, you can have a couple of different ideas. You can try a couple of different things. Um, and uh, th- that, the fact that you have a whole different look that you could throw at somebody um, who maybe then therefore your opponents, you're a little bit less predictable. Uh, I think the second half of the season is going to be really, really interesting for this team. Yes. Um, and we say second half, which is weird to think because we're just about two and a half months away from the, uh, from the finish line here. But yeah. yeah, when you look at number of matches played, we're really only about just past the halfway point. So there's going to be a lot of matches and not a lot of time yep. as we, uh, as we round up the season here and yeah, 
13 left. Talk to about being able to switch up the formation like that and find success. That's going to be huge yeah. uh, down the stretch um, when you're probably going to have to do that. You're going to have to find times where you need to rotate. You're going to have to find time. Yeah. You know, there are going to be a few more guys that probably pick up Knicks and have to miss time, you know, over yeah. down the stretch. That's just kind of how these things go. So to be able to you know, find, find confidence in multiple players and multiple positions and multiple formations, you know, that's only good for Ford Madison as we, as we move into sort of this, uh, I wouldn't say the home stretch, but this, you know, um, this active stretch, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we will go around the league now. Um, and uh, North Carolina, We've kind of uh, sung their praises over the last few weeks. They were finding ways to get results. <laughs> they've, they've, it was not a good week for NCFC nope, starting on Tuesday. Come back down to earth on Tuesday. Chattanooga, which in fairness is a really great club right now. Uh, hang four on them. North Carolina get one at the very, very end uh, just for pride or something. But 4-1 to Chattanooga on Tuesday. And then on Saturday, North Texas puts four more on them. So they give up eight goals in two games, Yikes. score one. That's not a good week. Yeah. On the flip side, though, again, talking about North Texas, this is a team that's streaking. This might be, aside from Omaha, this might be the hottest team in USL League One right now. Right now, yeah. And they're coming to Madison in, uh, this weekend. So that'll be a big one. That's huge. Absolutely huge. Um, also on Saturday, Richmond, New England tie 2-2. Uh, Emiliano Tergazzi with the brace for Richmond, uh, but New England scores twice after the 80th minute. Two nil lead, the worst in soccer, and yep. uh, New England uh, finds a way to get a point and get a draw, um, and that helps Madison quite a bit with Richmond dropping yep. points there. With Richmond dropping two points there, that actually helps Madison considerably in the table. Uh, Omaha finds a way to get another three points, uh, not as flashy as we're used to seeing from the Owls, but one nil. Uh, regardless, over Tucson. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, weekend wrapped up Fort Lauderdale, 2-0 win over Greenville. Greenville, inconsistent this yeah, season. You know, they've got, bit, they've got like. enough points and got enough wins to keep mm-hmm. themselves near the top when you're talking points per game. But they've also had some duds this season. Well, actually, when you look at points per game right now, they're in sixth. Oh. Yeah. they they Because they had a few – they have, had 17 games right now. Uh, as opposed to Madison, it's only had 15, and Omaha and Chattanooga all only had 15. So they had those oh, couple yep, of early matches uh, that when nobody else was playing, that they had convincing wins. So they were ahead on the table, and they still are ahead on the table, but they're not looking particularly good. I actually watched that game on Sunday live, and they did not. They were disjointed, not threatening. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like you know, everyone's normal we'll see Madison that plays really, really well and just don't, can't quite finish. It was not that mm-hmm. at all. They, Greenville did not look good, and I'm not sure what's happening over there or what what exactly uh, is ha- is the problem is, but they didn't look good at all. Uh, agreed. Um, and like we said, inconsistent from Greenville, yeah. who uh, yep. you know were were playing for the USL League One Championship last year, consistently find themselves at or near the top of the table, but as Rob mentioned, faltering a little bit as we uh, had had in these last couple months here. Um, so that's around the league. Uh, Rob, what's happening uh, off the field when it comes to Forward Madison and the Flock Soccer Foundation? Well, we've been talking about their effort to uh, raise $12,000 to buy a power chair for Ollie so he can join the Wisconsin Warriors power chair soccer team. And it was successful. They did it. Uh, the club chipped in $1,000 at the end um, to, as a match. 
uh, and there's a large, long, large, big push at the end, and there's the, the FIFA tournament, got him over the finish line, so that was a successful drive. Uh, love to see that. Uh, the other thing they did over the past two weeks was they hosted uh, youth camps with uh, Eintracht uh, Braunschweig, the, the German club, which is now their you know strategic partner. And uh, it was really cool that they had I, – I didn't realize that, this, but actually that current four Madison players were coaching that camp. So it's wow. kind of it was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I saw Noah. He did not recognize me outside the video chat of the podcast, <laughs> so I had to like reintroduce myself. But it's, <laughs> that was cool. But no. uh, when I told uh, my son that, that J- Justin Suko had scored the winning goal on Saturday, he said, "Oh yeah, yeah, that was he was one of my coaches." So he thought that was nice. You know, it's just it's really cool that a lower level club like this. That's one of the great things about this league and this level and this club is that you you can make that connection. Uh, with the professional yep. players and the and the kids, and it sounds like it was a pretty, pretty good camp. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, um, I don't know why it took us this long to plug this. Uh, we should have talked about it at the beginning, but uh, big special guest this week. Uh, Rob actually sat down with him earlier today, and we're going to play that interview for you right now. Gustavo Fernandez. Rob, you want to give us a little bit of a preview here on what we're going to hear Gustavo talk about? Uh, yeah, we talked. Obviously, you know, everybody wants to talk about the the match and the the change in formation, which he was uh, obviously a big part of moving from center back out to the left, uh, out to the right, rather. Sorry, um, and, and just how that all came about, and how you know how they prepared for that, as well as you know the the rundown of that of that goal and and some words of wisdom at a halftime that he got that helped him get that assist, and, uh, and then of course a little bit about his background and growing up in a very much a soccer family and uh, how that has led to where he is right now. All right. We'll enjoy not having to hear my voice for the next 20, 25 Ah. minutes. Uh, As we uh, give you Rob sit down here with Gustavo Fernandez, Rob and I will be back on the other side. And joining us tonight, one of the heroes of the, uh, the big win on Saturday, definitely assist of the week. We say it every week, assist of the week should be a thing in us. league one league one, make it happen. If it was a thing, Gustavo Fernandez would be the front runner right now, and he joins us on the program tonight. How are you doing, Gustavo? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, thanks for being here, man. Let's let's talk a little bit about this game uh, on Saturday. Big big win, obviously after a sort of a frustrating stretch. Uh, first of all, just from your perspective, uh, how how big of a win was this? Is this just one more in the W column, or is this? Do you think is this a turning point in the season? What are you thinking? Nah, this one, uh, this one's massive. You know, um, I think it's definitely a turning point in the season just because we have three straight home games, and just to start it off with a win is very massive for us and the boys, and everyone's uh, really motivated for the next one. Um, let's let's talk about that goal you got in on. Can you just kind of walk us through it? It was a, it was a pretty good spell of possession for a minute there, and and kind of built up. How did you? How did that lay out in front of you? <laughs> it's actually it's actually kind of a funny story because when I walked when uh, when we got into halftime. Christian Diaz Pato came up to me. He's like, bro, just cross the ball. Like, you have so many times to cross the ball. And then I was like, oh, this half, I, I got you. I got you. No worries. And then <laughs> came out to me. And then I saw Tank and Justin. And uh-huh. I just did. And then Justin did all the hard work and scored. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, but let's let's talk about that. Because you were kind of in the spot where Pato usually is, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, sort of something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, how did that? Uh, come about was that something you guys talked about during the course of the week that you were going to change things up or how did that yeah, come? I mean uh, game on Saturday I think Wednesday uh, I know Thursday coaches I are we're going to try something new 
try to try a three five two. Um, try to get more opportunities to score. Try to get um, our wing backs, Derek and uh, Carlos, higher off the field, and leave me, Eric, Connor, and uh, in the back, trying to you know hold hold it down. And so it, it new formation changed on Thursday, and it paid off on Saturday. Yeah, that's really cool. Is that is that a spot you're used to playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played there. In my, yeah. Okay. Played, cool. Yeah. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about that, about, about your youth and your background. And you, you, you're from New York, uh, right? Talk a little bit about how you got into, or how did soccer become the thing for you? And how did you be kind of begin to realize that like, this is a thing I could do for real? Yeah. I mean, um, so I was born in New York. Me and my, I have a twin brother, by the way. Uh, me and my twin were born in New York, but my uh, family is from Brazil. My dad, my mom, my two older brothers born over there. My whole family's over there. And uh, my dad played professionally 10 years in Brazil. Um, and then he came over here and then, you know, soccer was like the four, the, the soccer ball was the first toy I got. And, uh, you know, <laughs> my whole family plays, like my older brother plays in the USL um, championship with the Rowdies. Mm-hmm. You know, we all went to uh, D1 colleges, you know, so soccer was just. There was never a question about it. It's just the thing, right? Yeah. Soccer was just <laughs> That's awesome. And so you played for um, uh, Stony Brook. Yeah. Right. And uh, Iowa Western before that, right? Yeah, Iowa Western uh, uh, Community College. It was JUCO cool. before nice. I went to nice. uh, Stony Brook. Uh, and then uh, Stony Brook, and then uh, it was, then was it straight to Madison after that? Or was yeah. there a stop in there? Yeah. It was straight to Madison. Uh, I went to the combine, and Neil uh, kind of like discovered me in a way. Nice. Texted me to come to the combine. They invited me to preseason, and from there, I earned myself a contract. And that was in that was last season, right? Two thousand twenty. Yeah, right yep. before the whole pandemic. <laughs> yeah, so your first professional season is a very weird one and a short one. Yeah, very right? weird. You, yeah. you can't play at home, uh, and it was a frustrating season for everybody for a lot of reasons. And then uh, talk about uh, coming back this season, uh, new coach coming in. What's that first um, conversation like with Carl Craig and, and your decision and his decision to, to keep you here? Yeah, um, I remember we spoke uh, via, via Zoom. And, uh, and this was around in January, I think. And uh, we were just like, you know, just talking, getting along. He was asking me like, you know, what am I good at? And I'm like, oh, damn, what am I good at? Um, Soccer. And then, yeah. And then, you know, we just, we had a good conversation. And from there, when I first uh, met him in person, the first day in preseason, we, we hit it. We got along really well. And it's been smooth, smooth sailing ever since. Nice. Uh now, obviously, Madison has this reputation as a cool place to play at Bree Stevens Field with the flock and everybody. Talk about that a little bit, about having playing a season in Wauwatosa, right? And now and getting kind of into the club and everything. And then you get to finally get to play here um, in front of these fans. What's that been like? Yeah, no, I remember um, the game in, uh, where we played North Carolina, where Derek mm-hmm. scored in the 90th. Um, yeah. I called my family right away and I said, now this, like, I feel like a a professional because who, nice. all the fans that came, you know, and how loud it was and how just electric the environment was. And I, I remember Connor was trying to tell me something and I'm like, what, <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> you know, it was so the place was rocking and I remember, and my family was just watching on the ESPN and they were like, Oh my God, like I have to come to that game. And I'm like, no, you guys have to come. Have they been it yet? Nah, they're going to come in September. Nice. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so what, what do you, what, what about this club though? Is it the, uh, obviously the, the environment special, uh, you know, the club is, there's a significant turnover 
at least in the midfield and up front over the, you know, over the off season. Uh, what is it about this club that you feel like makes it a contender? I, don't, I, I know that, you know, I, I've played on a lot of teams growing up, you know, uh, met a lot of, a lot of players, but every time I walk into the locker room, I say, nah, this group is special. Like literally all these players have ability, skill, everyone in the locker room is a good guy, you know? Um, and I knew from day one or like week three preseason, I said, nah, this is the team that's going to get the job done. And, you know, we've been having a, like a rough patch, but every team goes through a little rough patch, sure. but I say it every day. And I say, and I mean it that this team, this team is, has a real, real, real chance of winning the championship this year. And uh, how do you feel playing in this league? I mean, it, it's a lot of, you know, soccer snobs that are like, you know, it's not a real league or whatever, but like, this is, I, I think, and we've talked about it on this podcast that the talent level and the quality of play in this league is, is keeps getting better and better. Is that what you're feeling on the field? Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. And the crazy thing is like any team could be any team in any of the week. Sometimes you, you look at this um, scores and you're like, Oh, they beat them. They beat them. They tied, you know, this league is you know, good as the quality is there. The, a lot of good players and uh, you know, it's only going to keep growing. Well, and, and the, the table is really tight. I don't know if you guys, yeah, I suppose you're not supposed to pay attention to the table, but <laughs> yeah, no, we... <laughs> you do. Okay, but yeah. but like, with a, if you guys win on Wednesday, you're going to go from like, I don't know what it is, like ninth to third or something like yeah. that. It's just ninth, like, eighth, it's so third. tight. Yeah, it's so tight, literally. Yeah, um, but but how is how is it? Uh, it is 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 being a professional. Is this you know obviously coming from a soccer family, you know what professional soccer is supposed to be like. Is this uh, is this what you expected it to be? Uh, I mean, I, I guess there's no real expectation what you can uh, put like as a professional, you know, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I, I love the life I live, you know, yeah. I've been dreaming about it ever since I was a kid, you know, I love showing up and doing my job, which is play soccer, you know, and not a lot of people can say that. So I love what I do and I can't, I, I, I really wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. What's your, uh, I mean, thinking back to being a kid and thinking back to being in college and now, uh, what are you, what are your aspirations? Are you, are you still on an upward trajectory? Do you think? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I think I am, you know, this year I wanted this year to be my, uh, well, last year I wanted it to be like my learning year, like how to mm -hmm. like properly adjust from, you know, the college level and to the professional level. And this year I really wanted, uh, you know, just to take off. I wanted to play as many games as I can. I wanted to do, help, help my team win as many games, you know, do my part. And I think this year I've been doing pretty well so far. And, uh, and it's for me, I only want to go off from here, you know? Um, well, I, and it seems like Carl has confidence in you. Obviously you, I mean, you, you didn't, you never came off the field for the first like nine yeah. games, right? Yeah. In the beginning, I, I, I was playing every game, played almost every minute. So, you know, yeah, the coach, he, he trusts me, you know, and uh, that's, it's a good thing to know as a player that your coach uh, has your back, even though sometimes you might make a mistake or something like that, and, uh, that the coach believes in you and trusts you. Yeah, and what about the the mix of players on the field? You, you're you're playing next to a guy who's you know, 34 years old has been around forever. Uh, you got some veteran leadership. You got some young guys. What's the, what's that been like? What's that been? Yeah, no, I mean the thing with Connor is that, uh, you know, Connor he's he's a he's a great guy. You know, not much not much to say about Connor. You know, we all know Connor Tovin. Um, yeah. you know, he helps me out a lot. He helps me out a lot. He because I think he told me one day he sees himself in a younger version of himself and me, something like that. Oh, that's and, that's quite a compliment. 
Yeah, and so <laughs> you know, it's, uh, anything he, any advice he gives me, I, I take it. I, I use, I learn from it, and you know, he helps me out a lot on the field, on and off the field. So you know, he's been a good guy to be around and start my career with, honestly. Yeah. Now, one thing that that we we've said a lot on this is that on this podcast is that the back line has been the foundation of this club. Like you guys are, your goals against must be really excellent average you know, except for that one game in texas but we'll forget about that one uh but the 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 attack the, but the club just has a, trouble scoring does that ever get frustrating for you guys in the back are you guys like ever like look we're keeping them to zero just get us one please uh, yeah sometimes it is you know uh because you know you, you want the guys up there to score you know but it, it, it's part of soccer you know sometimes as a defender you don't really get all the rewards as the you know the, the guys up front do so <laughs> sure you take it and, you know, you keep going. But when in the locker room, everyone's like, oh, my God, the defense was amazing. So, you know, we, we, we're cool with that. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, now, what do you, you, you got, you know, you look at these clubs that are playing really well, Union Omaha, uh, Chattanooga is really good right now, Greenville. Uh, what do you think this club for Madison has to do specifically to to get at that level? I mean, you guys, wait, okay, let me back up. When you're playing Omaha, when you're playing Greenville, you guys are right there with them, right? You're toe-to-toe with them. Yeah. Like, you obviously belong on the same field. What does this club have to do to get past that, to get to that championship level that you all want to get to? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Just, I mean, when you're playing those type of games, it, it, it doesn't really come down to, you know, tactics or stuff like that. It just comes down to, like, who – who it's like a dogfight. Who really wants it more in the end, mm-hmm. you know? Who's going to, like, win the 50-50 challenges more and – you know, that's what on, – on those days, we just got to play at every, like that game like a final. You know, go out there, try to win everything, try to win every header, try to win every challenge on the floor. And uh, and because in the end, no one can play with our quality and our uh, – in my eyes, no one can play with our quality and ability on the ball. So when we go in there like, a, like you know, a bunch of dogs and just trying to take everything that's ours, uh, I don't really think, you know, a lot of teams can, you know, play with us. They're dogs, everybody. PJ Tucker said it about the Bucks. Gustavo Fernandez says it about Fort Madison. They're dogs. They're going to get it done. All right. Hey, listen, Gustavo, I really appreciate your time. I know it's a short week for you guys. You got another game Wednesday, so I know you're busy. I really appreciate you giving us a few minutes today. Yeah, no, no problem. It's my pleasure. Big thanks again to Gustavo Fernandez. Obviously, super influential uh, getting the assist on the game winning goal uh, in the Mingos 2 1 win over Tormenta uh, over the weekend. Uh, but let's talk about what's coming up for Ford Madison at home against Toronto FC two on Wednesday. And then as we mentioned, big one this weekend against North Texas coming in white hot right now. Um, that's on Saturday and then away the following Wednesday. So a week from Wednesday to North Carolina on August 25th. So yeah, when you look at this, a week. Uh, you know, three games in a week, um, you're talking about four games in a, What's the math there? 11 days. Day period? No, like 11 yeah. days. Oh, four games in 11 days. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. It's only, yeah. Yep. Four games in 11 days, three games in a week. Um, this is how it's going to be. You know, it's, we're not going to see this every week over the remainder of the season. But uh, we mentioned that, you know, we're only two and a half months, two months in a week away from the finish line here. And we're only about halfway done when it comes to the matches played. So it's going to be pretty condensed the rest of the way. Yep, and this could be a really tough stretch given that you know just the minutes played. But the first three of these four matches are at home. We've already got one under the belt. We got three points out of that one. You ought to be able to beat Toronto if you play the way you did against Tormenta. You're going to beat Toronto. 
North Texas will be very, very tough. Uh, but you know you're going to play better than you did there in that 4-1 loss you know, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And then you go away to North Carolina where you feel like you ought to be able to get three points out of North Carolina. So this could be a tough stretch or it could be really a you know, if you could yeah, get, I would say, imagine if you get uh, I, I don't want 10 points out of these four matches, 10 or 12 points out of these four matches, points. like seven points, however many points you can oh, get out four, of these yeah. four matches, uh, you know, three points this past weekend, get seven more out of these next three matches, you'd be sitting pretty well at in the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would, that would really set you up nicely for the, for the stretch run. So yep. uh, we'll see what happens with those. Obviously, See Rob and I uh, will be back to at least talk about the first two of those three um, next Monday. Uh, yep. But before we uh, get out of here this week, let's get into our Flamingo shout-outs. Um, and I will go first. Um, first one for me is Phil Brino. few huge saves, as we mentioned, one at the very end to sort of, uh, you know, eliminate any chance of a last-second goal coming <laughs> to equalize Ford Madison again. Um, so thank you to him for saving that one and also making a, a few other big saves over the course of the match. Um, and, uh, he is, was... he has been huge in more than a few matches, Rob. I mean, he's yes, really, yes, yes. um, he's solidified his starting spot despite having a Chicago fire product kind of nipping at his heels. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that just tells you how good he's been this season. Yeah. And there was a, uh, a, a, a goal, that Marco Micheletto scores nine times out of 10 in the 39th minute of this match. And, you know, from two yards away and Brino was able to snuff it out and keep it one nil at that point. So that's a, that's a big moment in this game. And then of course, like you said, the one at the very end, uh, good job, Phil. Absolutely. Um, right, my first shout out is to Derek Gebhard and who, you know, you didn't hear a lot of talk about him a lot, but he was involved defensively in a way I've never seen him mm-hmm. before. He was tracking back. The, all the midfielders did a great job with this new formation, understanding that they're going to need help on, on at the back. And Derek Ebhart was in the box, mixing it up. He was uh, up against Marco Micheletto, who's one of the leading scorers in this league. And Derek was up to the challenge as a defender, which, again, you don't see him in that role very often. But he accepted it willingly and did a terrific job. Uh, agreed. I mean, Micheletto is not a, not a good guy to, you know, not an easy guy to mark. Um, exactly. And we're talking about Gebhardt, a guy who's used to playing in the attack, not used to having to necessarily play that defensive role. Yep. Uh, agreed. Excellent work from him. Uh, speaking of guys, not, you know, not used to playing certain roles. We already talked about him a ton, but my second shot is for Josiah Trimingham. Uh Makes Carl Craig look like an absolute genius, putting him up at the nine, scoring the opener. Um, just looking, looking better and better as the match went on, gives a lot of confidence that he can play that position, uh, consistently well as we move ahead here. Yeah, that's, and that's exciting to get, you know, you can think about how all the different ways we try to score goals. And that's been the big problem this season is trying to score more goals and, and just to have a, that, uh, literally they call him the tank and, and for a reason and to have him up there mixing it up uh really terrific and, and the fact that he could not only just be a big body up there but actually play the position very well uh agree 100 with that one my second shout out going back to omaha to the union omaha supporters and a big thank you to them to for welcoming us and you know we didn't come down with the big group of flock folks um but the big group of flock folks there was some leftover spotted cow so thanks for not drinking at all while you were there. Uh, and uh, thanks to them and, and to the ownership group and uh, uh, just for the hospitality and uh, letting us crash your, your game for a minute. And that was uh, it's a beautiful park. If you can make it down there next year uh, or, or, 
when they rescheduled this one. <laughs> uh, I recommend it. It's a very nice spot. I have one minor qualm. Uh, and it has to do with the spotted cow. Um, <laughs> so obviously spotted cow is great. Nothing spotted cow. And I texted you about this. You know what I'm about to say? Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, but it's like, hey, guys, thanks for coming. Come have a beer that you can get anytime you want back home. <laughs> like, shouldn't there be some sort of like Omaha delicacy that they're, you know, Maybe they, uh, you know, yeah. asking you to partake in? Do they not have a bunch of microbreweries, you know, any microbreweries down there? I did. That, I did partake in some um, local Omaha microbrew beer at the hotel. Cardinal Brewery okay. was very good. Uh, but maybe yeah. that's maybe maybe it's my fault. That I was, I was, you know, it was the spotted cow that lured me over to them. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, hey, the, your, your point uh, is well okay. taken. Spotted yeah. cow is great. It's just more the, <laughs> you know, the the principle of you know, come come enjoy this beer that that you have all the time at home, all the time, and you know, not one that <laughs> that you know you can't get anywhere else here. But here, anyways, anyways, I I digress. Um, my third shout out is uh, is for Jake Keegan. Um, he was really influential in the attack, especially the successful yeah. attacking sequences. Um, I, I have in the notes here, another match and other points. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, I mean, anything that forward Madison has done goal scoring wise, he's been involved in a very, he's very in high the mix all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and his, his service has been really good. Not because I mean, he's brought, he brought here, he's brought here to score goals. Right. Uh, yeah. But the fact that he's, been supportive and been, and and had excellent service, and uh, obviously he also is having to adapt to this new formation and is obviously willing to do so. Yeah. So uh, good on him. Speaking of another guy willing to adapt, this is my third shout out is for Christian Pato Diaz. You heard uh, Gustavo say that uh, Pato was giving him some advice at halftime, you know, telling him to encouraging Gustavo, the young guy. You know, Pato obviously veteran of Liga MX and MLS even a little bit and, uh, and and is benched for this game, not necessarily through his own fault, but just because of the formation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but he's still involved and he's still in the locker room, mentoring the young guy, encouraging him yep. to take some chances to, to get involved in the attack. And, uh, you know, Gustavo took that to heart and looked up and yeah. saw the opportunity and took it and uh, took it beautifully, by the way. Uh, yes. and, uh, so, so big shout out to Pacho Diaz for being, for accepting that role and, and not, you know, it'd be easy to, as a professional to kind of pout a little bit when you're not playing, but, but to be involved and to be there and to be supportive, big, big shout out to Pato. Uh, I'm going to throw in an honorable mention just cause yeah. I saw this come across my Twitter feed yesterday and I forgot to throw it in the notes. Um, evidently Aaron Malloy has the highest average foot mob rating in USL league one so far this season. Really? So shout out to him. Yeah, it's like seven point nine average rating or something like that. So did not know um, that. That's yeah, fantastic. I mean, it does, it's not surprising though, right? I mean, we've sung his no. praises all season long, and he's he's been excellent. So um, and he, I mean, he yeah. we didn't talk a lot about him today, but he he played a very well, very good game uh, Saturday night as well. I mean, he was really involved and in, and um, you know holding down the middle uh, of, of that of that new formation. All right, Rob, last thing here, Flamingo Fun Facts. Hit us with it. Another one that's uh, maybe not as fun, but interesting. Uh, mentioned Northern Carolina, okay. Northern Colorado Hailstorm, the newest addition to the USL League One, announced their first ever head coach this week. And his name is Eamon Zayed, Irishman, uh, f- former Irish footballer of the year, 
you know, longtime uh, player in Ireland. And uh, he actually, forward Madison fans will remember him as the man who scored the first goal ever against forward Madison for Chattanooga back wow. in April of 2019. Sorry to remind you of it, guys. But maybe that gives us a little bit of motivation to beat that new team right. next fall. Next we already have the rivalry now. We already have the rivalry. It's, it's built in. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. All right, that derby match. Waiting for it next season. Yep. Uh, all right, Rob, thank you for taking the time to join me this week on Talking Flock. I uh, say you, you join you. me. You're you're my co-host. We split this 50-50. I mean, for those who don't know, <laughs> you put together the pre-production notes. So I say you join me like you're my guest. No, you're very much – this is very much 50-50, if I'm not good. more more your direction. So I should thank – I should thank you for allowing me to join you on the podcast every week. <laughs> Thanks for joining uh, me, Jeremy. On my no podcast. Problem, no problem. <laughs> uh, every, <laughs> everybody listening, thank you for joining us. A uh, couple matches this week. Enjoy them Wednesday and Saturday. Wednesday, Toronto FC2 coming to Bree Stevens. And then another home one on Saturday. That's a big one uh, against North Texas. So enjoy both of those. Rob and I will be back next Monday to break them down as long as they go final. Right, as long as we get one over for the line, full ninety. We just gotta get we'll one. Back just gotta finish one. Yep. Yep. We'll be back here next Monday to break it all down on Talk and Flock. Until then, have a great week, everybody.